0: Attention youth leaders, if you have recently been called to lead the rising generation, I have a next step for you. Listen to an awesome presentation by Yvonne Hubert and Peter Vidmar, who are both respective members of the Young Women and Young Men General Advisory Council for the Church. Their presentation really helps clarify ways on how to effectively lead the youth using the Children and Youth Program. They also cover topics like youth-led groups, how to lead through personal ministry, how to meet youth where they are, identifying the youth's strengths and capacities. This presentation is part of the Young Saints Virtual Library, and you can access it at no cost by going to LeadingSaints.org slash 14. Again, simply click the link in the show notes or go to LeadingSaints.org slash 14. So my name is Kurt Francom, and I am the founder and executive director of Leading Saints and obviously the host of the Leading Saints podcast. Now, I started Leading Saints back in 2010. It was just a hobby blog, and it grew from there. By the time uh, 2014 came around, we started the podcast, and that's really when it got some uh, traction and took off. Uh, 2016, we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we've been growing ever since. And now I get the opportunity of interviewing and talking with remarkable people all over the world. Now, this is a segment we do on the Leading Saints podcast called How I Lead. And we reach out to everyday leaders. They're not experts, gurus, authors, PhDs. They're just everyday leaders who've been asked to serve in a specific leadership calling. And we simply ask them, how is it that you lead and they go through some remarkable principles that should be in a book that should be behind a phd (laughs) they're usually that good and uh, we just talk about uh, sharing what the other guy is doing and i remember being a leader just simply wanting to know okay i know what i'm trying to do but what's the other guy doing what's working for him and so that's why every wednesday or so we publish these how i lead segments to share So guys, you're going to love this episode. I had the opportunity to interview Jim and Marla West, who are from Salem, Oregon, about being a nursery leader. I know. You're thinking, What's, what, what, what is there even to talk about, Gert? Oh, my goodness. As you can see by how long this episode is, this is a full episode. I usually aim for about 30 to 40 minutes on how I lead episodes. But no, we needed more time to get through all their tips, tricks, and, and best practices and ideas. And... Whoa, so many good ideas that if if you know a nursery leader, you I, I beg you to send them this episode. They're going to love it so much. Listen for just the little things they do as far as transitions with the kids, how they welcome the kids into nursery in a way that it, uh, help, helps them feel comfortable so that they don't want to cry. They only want to stay and play with Play-Doh or whatever it is. And the, the way they focus on uh, the, the children throughout it, and they're not Focusing on conversations with other adults or things—it is so powerful. Their approach, this man, when I when I record episodes like this, I'm just feel so much gratitude that this is what I get to do. Like, I get to talk with remarkable people who are magnifying their calling in such a remarkable ways. It is a true blessing. You're gonna love this uh, as as we talk about the nursery. And here's the thing: I hope everybody, everybody listens to this, even if you're not serving in primary. Like an Elder's Quorum Presidency can gain so much about their approach to nursery because you could do the same thing. Of course, you're, you may not get out the tinker toys in, in Elder's Quorum, but hey, maybe you will. And why not? Maybe you could try it, right? But what I'm saying is that just like how to build an environment, a learning environment, a reverent environment, a sacred environment where people look forward to coming and learning about the gospel in, in their own way. So this is great. Here's my interview with Jim and Marla West. Today I have the opportunity to welcome Jim and Marla West to the Leading Saints Podcast. Welcome!
1: Thank you. Glad to be here. Good afternoon.
0: Now you you two are in uh, Salem, Oregon. Is that right? Yep. Awesome. Great part of the country, I hear.
1: Oh, if you don't mind rain, it's
2: (laughs) (laughs) fabulous.
0: It's beautiful. That's awesome, and uh, so I, what happened is I put out uh, every week I send out the newsletter that goes about goes out every Tuesday or Wednesday, and I usually put a question of the week in the newsletter, and it is as random as can be, but all all falling within the realm of church leadership. And so I have a three year old girl who's so sweet, and every week after. Uh, sacrament meeting. I walk her down to nursery, and and uh, she, some weeks she'll run in there. Other weeks she'll grab onto my leg. But uh, nonetheless, I think generally she loves nursery. So I thought, hmm, I wonder if there's some best practices people have out there as far as succeeding as either the nursery leader or a nursery teacher. Um, and so I put the question out there: What are some best practices? for uh, nursery leaders or those who who run the nursery and Marla you sent me a list I mean a a point by point list of some suggestions you found and uh, so I was intrigued and then uh, you told me that you is it you and your husband both have 27 plus years of nursery experience right
2: yeah we do we do she's done uh, more than I have but I I've been in there for I don't know seems like about 20 years probably
0: Okay. And why is that? You just have an, a, a, the nursery leader look?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. No, our, we have uh, sons, a lot of sons. And when they were little, they would not go into nursery without one of us there. And uh, eventually, you know, 40 years ago, I was called to serve in nursery for my son's sake. And ever since, uh, we've just loved it.
0: Wow. That's awesome, and over the years picked up some some best practices that uh, serve you well. And and you were just recently released as uh, from the nursery, is that right? Yes. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, I mean, how would you? Uh, and, and feel free either one of you to chime in when when you feel so inspired. But like, where would you like set the groundwork or the foundation of this discussion about uh, leading in nursery? Um, and again, it's one of the, you know, nursery leaders, one of the few callings, uh, like music leader that has the actual word leader in it, in the title. So what, what, what advice would you start with for somebody who's just starting as the nursery leader or, or starting in the nursery?
1: Well, for one, I think you need to read the manual that the church. Oh, puts that.
0: Out.
1: I actually, even though I've put in about 27 plus years, every time I'm called, as nursery leader, I reread the manual mm-hmm. and I want to be up to date with what the church's vision is for that group. Yeah. yeah.
0: And this, and when you say the manual, is that in the general handbook in the primary section or is that what you're referring to?
1: Yeah. There's a book just for primary for leaders and oh, okay. the section for nursery leaders and teachers. And I always go back to the basics and get that down and remind myself of the church's vision for
2: nursery. Yeah. I think that vision is really that it's more than toy time. It's more than a place for parents to drop the kids off just so that they can escape to an adult class kind of thing. Um, You know, I believe that the vision for nursery is really that it's a, um, a sacred time for children to become introduced to a more formal gospel experience where they learn how to come, feel the Holy Ghost, be eager to participate, You know, actually look forward to it, um, and that it's a real class, not just toys and snacks. And, yeah. <laughs> and so by having that sort of a, a approach to it, it really helps kids, um, I think, um, prepare themselves for the primary experience, you know, the, where they sit in chairs and they sing and they are with uh, lots of other children.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, so easy to overlook, but it's so true because as a parent, sometimes I feel like, you know, I got to get to Sunday school. Here's my, here's my child type of thing. But but yeah, and I, and I appreciate those and and my current nursery leaders, they do such a good job with, you know, I, I peek in there from time to time and they're sitting on chairs or there's, there's some structure to it. Right. And so that's important to begin introducing that in a church setting to those, those young uh, hearts and minds.
1: Yes. And a lot of people are unaware that you can start that structure very young. Hmm. That when we teach nursery, we expect the kids to follow the structure we've set up. And children thrive on structure and consistency. So when we have the same kind of module every week that we follow, they're good with that. They like it. It makes them feel secure. They're ready to come in. They know what's coming.
0: Yeah. And I would imagine that really helps in the long term. as, you know, I think we all go through it as parents where the child for a while does just really has a lot of anxiety being left in there from, you know, apart from their, their parents, but that structure and familiarity and consistency can really do a lot to help a child feel welcome.
1: Yeah, it does. And it In the past, we've had some children who are reluctant to come for whatever reason, and we will actually go visit them at their home and maybe bring a treat or a game or play with them with a toy that's familiar to them. And we kind of engage with them the same way we would in our class. And when we do that, the children are much more uh, eager and ready to come to nursery.
0: Yeah. Wow. What a great, I mean, it seems so like, why, why haven't I thought of that or anybody else, but, uh, that's so practical, but so true. Just, yeah. you know, giving them, uh, coming into their world first, getting them comfortable with you and then inviting them into the church world, you know? So exactly. Awesome. Anything else when it comes to like the vision of nursery that we want to make sure we, we discuss before we, we move on?
1: Well, I, I think another thing that Jim and I talk about a lot is, um, Uh, This pertains to church culture. Like Jim had mentioned, a lot of the church culture, the church members' idea about nursery is toys and snacks. But we also noticed that when you hear the vernacular that surrounds talking about nursery, people will often make the judgment that nursery's at the bottom, Mm-hmm. And being the prophet is at the top. And there's, and we I'm guilty,
0: Marla. I'm guilty. Yeah. I've, I've done so many interviews, and I always use this nursery as a scapegoat. As like, well, of course, never. Nobody wants to work in the nursery. I. Admit, well, it's not right. my like number one calling, but you're right. I should. I I repent publicly right now.
1: <laughs> there you go. We appreciate it. But we hear this a lot. This idea of. Um, all the way down from the nursery up to the prophet, you know, everybody's important. And I think, wait a minute, you don't (laughs) put nursery kids on a bottom rung of the ladder. That's just (laughs) not where they belong. And so we'd like to see that change in the church, Mm. that idea that serving in the nursery is somehow It takes less spiritual energy, less listening to the spirit, or less intelligence, I guess, than any other calling. It's just not true. When you're in nursery, it takes just as much preparation and feeling the Holy Ghost and knowing what each child is going to need. That is just like any other
2: calling.
0: I love that. I'm so glad you, you highlighted that. I think, you know, that you're,
2: you're you've are you been successful when you have parents say that as soon as sacrament means over or, or uh, you know, the kids are running for nursery or during the weekday, they wake up and say, is it Sunday? Yeah. And, you know, and that's the that's the experience that we try to have for the, for the children. Mm-hmm.
0: Love it. That's awesome. Um, do you want to just uh, maybe we'll take the whole just experience of nursery from walking into the door from the, the parent pickup and just see what best practices come up or principles? Is yeah, that a good way to do it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. All right. So uh, sacrament's over, sacrament meeting's over. We, uh, the parents are headed your way. Uh, where, where do you begin with the, some ideas?
2: It, actually, the experience for us started uh, an hour plus ago in that uh, we, we got there ahead of sacrament meeting set everything up the tables all ready to go the play-doh's out all the other stuff so that uh and, you know the music's ready to go so that by the time the children leave sacrament meeting they're walking into um, a room that's ready for them they can hear the 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 quiet music they comfortable hey there's interesting things there i can come sit down i can begin to kind of engage with us as the teachers and that would be the beginning
0: yeah that's so true because you think about any other you know uh second hour meeting you know if i if i walk in as an adult i walk into sunday school and the teacher's not there it's fine it's like no problem you know they're probably gathering some items or whatnot and i can sit here until they're ready but for a child it's going to be mean a little bit more when they walk in, and actually see their, their nursery people. Right.
1: Exactly. And Um, not only do they see us, but we're already engaged in the activity we're inviting them to do. So when they come in, one of us is sitting at the table. uh, And we always start with Play-Doh simply because it's a great uh, draw you in activity. One of us is already sitting at the table interacting with the play-doh oh when we see them come to the door we we ask them to come play
2: with us
0: yeah isn't it because usually it's like okay i'm going to set you down child and now i'm going to exit as quickly as possible it's like that first moment can feel like this is the part where i get abandoned okay and, and cry until i forget about it but to make it the part of the where we play and here it is look he's already playing walk over to the table jump in grab some play-doh yeah.
1: And we don't shut the door. So we've noticed over the years of doing nursery that when we would shut the door, children would feel trapped, like their parents were in another world and they were in this world. So we quickly figured out that if we prop the door open and we they can see their parents standing in the doorway and we say to them, you may leave anytime you'd like, you don't have to stay here. But... We think you'll want to stay here because we're having fun. <laughs> so the door stays open.
2: <laughs> I, I think yeah. in all those years, we have probably only had two or three kids that actually would try to go. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the runners, right? Sometimes you get the yeah,
2: runners. Right. but it's very, <laughs> very few. You know, once uh, after about two weeks, they realize it's a safe place, and they might go to the door and even step, uh, you know, out and look around a little bit.
0: But then they come back. Oh, that's man, such such great advice. Okay, so that's sort of you're there. So you're you're sort of you start off with some play, and and I think there's some things you do with just the music and, a, and sort of the the environment as a whole that's welcoming welcoming them, right?
1: Yeah, we do um, we do put on some kind of. Uh, classical, or I, I would call it spa type music, but we never put music on with voices. And this is an important thing because some nurseries have encouraged the leaders to play the primary music, which is fine during other times of the day. But we have found when, when we welcome them in, they need to feel like there aren't so many children in the room. And when you play music with voices, psychologically it sets the child up for more people in the room than is necessary. So we don't, we play music with no voices until we have a singing time moment because they need to know who they see there is, who is there. And so we do that. And then we do also something a little unique in that we pick a scent for the children. We spray it in the room and it has to be, a natural product like orange oil with no chemicals, no possible allergens. And we spray it in the room so that when they come in, they immediately connect that scent with their experience. Because, you know, brain research shows us that olfactory senses are the only ones where memories are not routed through any other brain system. When it comes through the nose, It goes straight to the brain for memories. And so that's why when you smell a certain scent, you're immediately taken back (laughs) to a time in your life. And we've had um, primary children later come to us and they'll smell the scent in the church and they'll say, oh, oh, nursery. (laughs) And that's (laughs) what we want. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and so the one thing i I want to highlight here that I hope that people don't see the title of this episode and skip over it if they serve an elders release site because these are great ideas but so applicable no matter where you serve like there's oh, no yeah. reason why you you couldn't start elders Quorum with a, a certain song playing or just some environmental cues that really Absolutely. shift the brain in a way that helps them be more present in that in that meeting right
1: yeah it it totally is applicable any kind of thing that um, helps the brain to absorb information and to have a good experience. I say it's, it's should be
2: ubiquitous to all groups in the church. I think one of the challenges, one of the challenges we've had is that with the new format where Mm. nursery is now only an hour, it used to be almost two hours. And, um, it's actually hard for us to fit everything in that we would like to do with the children to be able to sing, to have a snack, to introduce maybe some larger, small motor skills, you know, um, help them learn how to use scissors or, or do watercolors or, uh, you know, a variety of different things that we would try to introduce to children. Um, it's hard to find, um, to fit it all in.
1: Yeah, there's not yeah. enough time anymore. We liked <laughs> the old way where nursery <laughs> was two hours long, but <laughs> it was the perfect amount of time to be able to introduce all these new skills that revolve around the spiritual topic of the day that we're teaching from the manual. And yeah, now we have to condense it. We got to be on our toes yeah, now. I so
0: I bet. So uh, how did you learn all this stuff? Do you have a background in in some of this stuff or...?
1: Oh well, Jim's an engineer. You know, engineers do all that.
0: <laughs> Actually, Marla's
2: more of an educator, so you know a lot of these things came from her. Gotcha. Okay,
0: you know. that's cool. And 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 for sure a lot of trial and error as well as you are working with kids and learning some things. And so, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I love this. So it sounds like uh, the, that play time, sort of the free play time, is generally just at the beginning. For how long do you would you say that lasts?
2: Fifteen minutes or so. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
2: In fact, uh, with the new format being less than an hour, really, in nursery, most Sundays we actually don't even get the toys out. Wow. Yeah,
1: I'd say we probably only pull toys out on um, holidays, like when we were preparing a Mother's Day project with the kids, while we were working with each individual child, the other children needed something to do. So we actually let them pull out toys on that Sunday. But most of the time, we don't have time for toys. There's no time for that now.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's such a paradigm shift with nursery. I love that. Yeah, they don't even
2: ask. Although we do get them out because one of the favorite things the kids like to do is wash the toys. That's our service. So when we have a lesson
1: (laughs) about Jesus teaching us to serve or him serving others, we will bring in some big, huge bins of warm water and the children get to wash the toys and that's uh-huh. their service to the
2: ward.
0: It's a nice. it's one of their favorites. So at the beginning, when you mentioned like the Play-Doh, for example, the Play-Doh, you don't really necessarily consider that toy time. It's just like focus play time on Play-Doh, right?
1: Yeah, that's just the attention getter. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Well, any, anything else we left out as far as that first part, you know, the that first 15 minutes or...
1: Uh, We don't let parents come in and visit with us. They're welcome to come in. Anybody's welcome to come and visit nursery. Uh But our number one cardinal rule about nursery is don't talk to us when we're in there. And the reason (laughs) we started this is because we noticed at one point when people would want to come in and visit with us, we lost the kids' attention. They started acting out and and there was more conflict, but when we cut out adult visiting, the children were so much more peaceful and focused, and just ready to interact with us. So we have a rule actually: it's um, don't be offended, but we're not mm-hmm. going to talk to you.
0: <laughs> and is that just uh, just verbally communicate that, or post a sign, or what?
1: Uh, we've done both. Mm-hmm. And Jim and I, we don't visit with each other. Now we've been married yeah. forty-two years, but <laughs> we make it a rule. The only time we visit with each other in nursery is when we're talking about a child or to a child. Otherwise, we don't visit. Yeah. It's not a social time for adults.
0: Yeah. And again, you're yeah. you're creating a an environment, a structure for those children to to be blessed by the doctrines of Jesus Christ, right? In their own special way.
1: It's so hard for people though. We've had even church leaders on a stake (laughs) level come in and start visiting with us and we'll warn them ahead of time and say, please don't take offense, but we don't visit in there. It's a real classroom with a real lesson and the whole day is for the children. It's not about us.
0: Yeah. I guess it would be extremely awkward if somebody walked into Sunday school and started talking to the teacher while we were That's what <laughs> we'd be said, like, what you are said, you doing? Get out of here.
2: You wouldn't do that in Relief Society. Just walk in and
0: yeah. hey, let's talk.
2: Right. So.
0: All right. Where do you want to go next? I, I, there's a whole list here. I want to make sure we at least touch on each one of these here. But uh, what uh, what rings true next?
1: Well, we do transitions, of course, like any nursery leaders do. Uh, when it's time to move on to a n- new activity, we'll sing a song. Um, you know, we'll get them engaged somehow. Let's do this. And they get excited or we'll ask them a question, say, I wonder if there is something outside. Well, that's our cue to go outside and we'll do lizard hunts outside with toy lizards. We'll whatever goes along with the lesson that we're doing for that day. So we do give them transitions from one activity to the next, but they kind of know what's coming because we pretty much keep the schedule of welcome them in, go to snack and story after Play-Doh, go to a singing time, go to a lesson, and then um, an art project that reinforces the lesson, large motor activity, small motor activity, different things, but they know what's coming because after a couple Sundays in there, they basically know the routine and they
2: like it. So when it's time to transition to snack and story, um, we will sing a song and then as soon as the play dohs all put away by the kids, then Marla will take hand sanitizer and make happy faces on the table. And the kids know that that's how you wash the table. You squirted the hand sanitizer and it could be a smiley face, it could be a Frowny face or, you know, and the kids tell us what kind of face they want and then they smush the hand sanitizer around and then take a paper towel and clean it. So then they've cleaned the table and they're ready to go to eat. And, um, you know, and that's how we transition to the to uh, having a snack. You know, wow. and
1: sometimes we've asked the parents to bring the snack in, which is not generally church policy usually the church likes the ward to supply the snack. Sometimes like on special birthdays or holidays, we'll ask the parents to bring the child's favorite snack along with the child's favorite book. And that way the child gets highlighted that day. And then we read that book to the children while they eat. So whenever they're eating, we're reading to them so that they 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 get to focus on two things, and that's a real skill change. You know, to be able to focus on two things at once, that's a step up from a toddler or a baby to a nursery age child. So that's kind of cool.
0: Wow, I love that. Just those little uh, personalizations there that uh, help the children be seen as individuals. You know, and, and share that with others. That's great.
1: And I noticed one mom did a really cool thing for snack time, and um, she brought in a. whole muffin tin that had like 24 muffin holders in it. And she had put different snacks in each one. And I asked her why she did this configuration. And she said, you know what kids like the most is to be able to choose. So she would hold out the muffin tin and they got to pick from the tin of what they wanted and how many they wanted. And that was so thrilling for them to just be able to choose their own snack was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, well, again, so simple and uh, and just giving them choice because yeah, I know a lot of things I, I make the choice for my three year old. Uh, yeah. So you, so you've moved on from the Play-Doh time, and then you know you talk about transitions, which I I appreciate. Is it and it's not always a song; it may just be you saying, "Hey, I have an idea. Let's see what's outside." Or is that the idea?
1: Right. Or sometimes we'll say, "Look at the clock." And all the kids will look at the clock and I'll point to it and talk about how the clock tells us what time it is. And so we'll say, well, now it's time for, and we'll move on. Or Jim will, Jim usually does the lesson for us. So Jim will all of a sudden ask a question or hold up a picture, something to get their attention and say, you know, I wonder what this picture is about. And then we gather the children around him and he gives the lesson about, you know the scripture or the principle that we're talking about.
0: Yeah. Now it's been a few years since I've been in primary in general, let alone nursery. Um, is there a formal like lesson book to use the same thing that other prime the other primary kids are using as far as what the lesson is that week, right?
1: Yeah, there's a manual, and they have the lessons laid. The church has the lessons laid out week okay. to week, and we use that.
0: Gotcha. So, and speak to me about the lesson then you're, I mean, is there, what does the preparation look like? I mean, obviously you're not, you don't have to prepare like you do if you're teaching, you know, Sunday school, but, um, what does that look like?
1: Well, you kind of do, but we, we've had it so prepared. We have a big fat notebook of all the lessons over the years. So, you know, we have an, usually an object that's an attention getter. Like if it's taking care of your body, Jim will bring a basket with a lid on it. And then he'll slowly open the lid to get their attention. And then they'll look inside the basket and they'll pull out things that help us take care of our bodies, like a Band-Aid, a toothbrush, an apple, different things like that. So usually Jim brings a an object or a picture to start the lesson. And that's kind of how we engage them in talking about what we're going to do.
0: Yeah. And I imagine, Jim, you use this, maybe that basket for several different type of lessons. If it works to fit an object in there, is that the idea?
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Marla's, like she said, it's got this huge notebook with all the, every one of the lessons that has, you know, here's what the lesson could be or would be. And here's some thematic activities that could be coupled with the lesson to help reinforce it. So after we've had the lesson, then, you know, there's... One or two other things that we can do and and with the one hour format now by the time we get that done we're just about we're pretty much out of time
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so the lesson is sort of the wrap-up portion of the of the time
2: well we do
1: usually an art project afterward to reinforce the concept or in the when the church had the two hour uh nursery time we used to also introduce really fun skills like During October, we'd have um, a piece of paper with a spider on it, and the kids would practice cutting the path of the spider with their scissors. Scissors, a lot of manipulatives, those are skills they need to have for primary as well. I know we think more of the spiritual ideas, but a lot of the spiritual things they hear in nursery will be repeated in sunbeams. But they need to have a lot of these skills down so that when they go into sunbeams, they feel confident. They know the difference between markers and crayons. They know how to work a paintbrush and a watercolor set. They know how to use scissors. They know how to sit in their chair for an extended period of time. Those are all kind of practical skills, but they need to have them for sunbeams.
0: Yeah. And I know with my kids, we haven't sent any of our kids to like a preschool, you know, usually kindergarten is their first formal education experience. And so the only other place for them to pick that up, obviously at home, you know, we got different crafts and things, but, um, but also, you know, at church, again, it's a structured setting that they can begin to acquire this, uh, this familiarity.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's kind of fun for us to, to push their boundaries of skills. like. sometimes we'll have a lesson on the prophet. And one time when we did that, we brought some black construction paper and some white chalk. And then Jim showed the kids how to draw a portrait. So they were drawing the prophet, his face, but Jim would do an eye, and then they would do an eye. Jim would do the mouth, they would do the mouth. And we kind of really like to push their skills, things that with a little scaffolding from us, they would be able to do it. They wouldn't without us, but we like to do that because once we push their skills into that area of new level of skill, they really engage. They are really hooked. Once you can get them to do something that's hard for them, but they can do it if you help them, that's that in education, they call it that zone of proximity or proximal development. That just means they're in the zone. They could do something really exciting and new to them if they had your help. And we really yeah. like that. We like the zone.
2: We also <laughs> uh, sometimes will, um, like once a month, send home a, a, a lesson that they can use for family time, you know, that goes with the nursery lesson so that you know, the family can actually see what happened in nursery mm-hmm. and and then maybe extend that learning at home.
0: Yeah, that's great. So I want to go back to your your, your uh, binder, Marla, because <laughs> I think people are going to be uh, be headed to Oregon in, in search <laughs> to, to rob you of this binder. Um, and I, I imagine it's all, I mean, you don't have anything online that, that you could share, but uh, what, what would you say as far as like, for people making their own binder for nursery leaders, making their own binder. Like how do you do that? Do you, do you find things and then put them in there for later? Is it just, okay, this next week we're talking about, uh, you know, nature. So I'm going to gather some thoughts and then just put it in my binder. How do you, how did you develop this binder?
1: Yeah, I kind of just, um, I went through all the lessons that the church has in the manual and I would type up the lesson. And then on, uh, you know, on a Google Doc or something. And then I would just start brainstorming kinds of skills and activities that I thought a child would engage in that surrounds that topic. Then I just start typing them up and then I put them in a paper or a plastic sheath. And then I put art materials and all kinds of pictures and ideas in there. And over the years, I just kind of weeded out. I'm really um, a minimalist, so I don't keep a lot of stuff. But when I go to teach that nursery lesson or we go for that nursery day, the binder tells me everything. It tells me the first activity we do, the second one, the lesson, what information I'll need, what materials I'll need, et cetera. And after doing it that many years, you kind of have a good sampling of um, a variety of stuff.
0: Yeah. So, so the principle really is that, you know, it's not like Marla has cracked the code on nursery binders, but you have a system that works for you. Yeah. And uh, that binder is sort of that uh, center point of it all that you know that you're going to go there and and you, you have it organized a certain way and, you know, you'll find the information you need to execute the next lesson, right? Exactly. How many, like on average, just over the years, how many, how many, how many kids are you talking like in the nursery with you at one time?
2: It it depends on which you know where we've lived at the time. Uh, we really like uh, sizes of eight or less. Um, we feel like once they get much more than that, it really starts stressing the kids out, uh, right. and adding just another adult to a room with more than that is can be quite chaotic, so we've yeah. really tried to, you know, work with nurseries that are, you know, eight or less. Uh, I will say that we did have one nursery where we had oh, eight or ten little girls. It was all girls. They were all blonde little girls that loved pink, and anything that came out that was pink was a oh, major <laughs> battle because every girl wanted to have the pink thing, and so we had these little carpet squares that the kids could sit on for certain activities. And we ultimately had to throw everything away that was pink because it was way too much stress. <laughs> it was too for chaotic. Little girls uh, that
0: just no, we it. don't blame you. We
2: yeah. said no more pink in nursery.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. And I know like my church building, we before our ward split about a year ago. And uh, so we had, we had two nurseries, you know, at that time and we had two different rooms with toys in it and whatnot. And so I think it's good for, leaders just to feel like, you know, yeah, you can split up a, a nursery so that there's not, you know, twenty-five little kids in one, one. And, and some of them, especially in Utah here, you know, in, in Harriman or, you know, you get you get huge amounts of children, you know. And so you got to you have to be intentional. You can't just say, well, let's just keep adding adults until they can manage the, the circus, you know. So.
1: Yeah. It, it it's really, really great when one child shows up. some people have said to us, well, just don't do nursery that day. Just send them to be with their parents or whatever. And we're like, are you kidding? This is like grandma and grandpa spending time with a grandchild. There's no way we're giving that up. So we've had really fun when even just one child shows up.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So, all right. So you got your lesson and then you do sort of an art project, a craft project to sort of wind down the rest of the time, right? Uh, Any... Any general advice uh, that way?
1: We just really, um, like I said before, we like to push them. And for some children, like when you pull out the watercolor set for each child, for some kids, this is the first time they've ever seen that. So we do a little kind of song where we dip, dip, dip in the water with our paintbrush. Mm. And then we dip, dip, dip in the paint. And then we show them how to paint because some of them, they take the toothbrush or the toothbrush, sorry, the paintbrush, and they'll stick it in their ear. They'll stick it in their mouth. You know, they just they just don't have it down yet what that's used for. So some of the activities we do are simply exposure and instruction. What is a paintbrush? What do you do with it? Yeah. So it takes longer to do an art project than you would think. If you just pull out paper and crayons which is okay, but a lot of children that age have seen that before. So we try to pull in materials, glue sticks, scissors, pasta to string together things that um, children have not maybe thought of or been introduced to before. So the art project can be pretty time consuming.
2: Yeah. One thing I don't want to forget to mention, which is kind of unrelated to everything we've talked about, Okay. It's, just a tip. it's just a tip that we found really handy is you always have those unexpected moments when it, a kid needs to go out to maybe have a diaper change or things like that. And what do you do with that? So yeah. so we uh, basically uh, have all the, the phone numbers for all the parents. And when a kid needs to go out momentarily, we text a parent. And so they can just be sitting in Relief Society or Sunday School, get a text and go, oh, hey. And and so we sort of train the parent, keep your phone, keep an eye out for that. And that way we never have to leave the room or go down the hall or find a primary worker to help us hunt down a parent. We just text them and they come in a couple of minutes later and take care of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well, I love that. And then uh, I was going to ask you that. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, it was funny. My uh, A few weeks ago, I went to... I was, went to church. My wife was either out of town or or sick or something. So I was the only parent there and I was teaching deacon's quorum and my daughter had a a dirty diaper. And so they came in, I'm like, okay, hold, hold that's this thought deacon. I got to go, uh, (laughs) you know, change the the diaper here and then get back to it. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you bringing it up because that is a component that every week there's probably somebody stinking up the room, you know,
2: so. Handy, handy tips.
0: What, what would you say about maybe the, you know, whether it's the uh, carpet, the pink carpet square that riles everybody up and suddenly you got a little bit of a, a fit, you know, happening or a fight or somebody just is emotionally spent and having a hard day and, and, and crying and throwing a fit?
1: Well, we do um, put out a blanket in the corner of any nursery room, and we put some books out there so that any time a child wants to disengage, they can. They get to curl up with the blanket, read a book, maybe just lay down or whatever they want to do to rest or to disengage. A lot of times, one of us will hold a child, just hold them, you know, because they They're having complex emotions that day. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we will go and get a parent if the child is, the child will usually let us know if they want their mom or dad. And we do encourage the parents to stay in nursery when they're first bringing their child to nursery. We don't want the drop off. We don't want them to drop and run. The first Mm -hmm. few Sundays, we actually asked the parent, could one of you stay and enjoy our day with us? so that your child sees that you accept nursery, you like nursery, you like the nursery leaders, ergo, the child will. Yeah. Uh, Again, though, the biggest problem we have is the parents want to talk with us. And we have to say to them, sorry, this isn't about us as adults. And I think that's one thing that holds people back from accepting a calling in nursery. So I think so many adults have said to us, how do you do nursery that long? Like we'll do it for five or seven years before we have a break. And they'll say, how do you do that? It's so boring. And we say to them, uh, if nursery is boring, it's because you're doing it wrong. Yeah. If, if you're doing it right, You will love it. If you're doing it wrong and it's not serving them, it's not serving you. You should feel very peaceful, very satisfied, very content as an adult when you leave nursery. The children were hoping they'll feel that way, but we want adults to feel that way when they serve. But if you're just going to go in and throw some toys out and some crackers on a table, nursery is going to be really boring. For them and for you. Because kids have toys at home. I mean, they can go home and do that. Nursery should be something where, like for adults walking into the temple, it's a sacred place. Everything changes. Your voice changes in the temple. Your clothes change. You act differently. But we expect that in nursery. You know, the kids come in and if they want to yell and scream and run around, we have to remind them, this is nursery. And they pretty soon they get it, that this is a different place. You know, one thing we used to do that was really fun when we um, had the two hour schedule is when the kids would first come in, we would write a word on the chalkboard. And it was a word we selected from the lesson, like, "Hallelujah." Um, And we'd write it on the board and we'd say the word several times. And we'd say, this means yay. And so all throughout the day, we would use this word. So if a kid did something really cool, we'd say, hallelujah. Or if um, they shared a toy, hallelujah. And by the end of that Sunday that we did that, uh, the kids were repeating the word and taking it home And the parents would tell us later, what's with this word? We used to call it the word of the day, but we don't have time for these things anymore. We've really had to condense, but it
2: was fun. It was really fun.
0: That's awesome. Any advice you'd give as far as uh, special needs kids? Has that come up much at all in your experience?
2: We've had a few and those definitely are more challenging. Um, Uh, we had one in particular where that was one of those times where we did have to close the door. Mm -hmm. Um, so we found that most of the kids, and we haven't had a whole lot of that, but, uh, our experience with those children is that they too can oftentimes feel the, feel the peacefulness and the spirit of the, you know, the nursery, they calm down quite a bit and generally can be pretty engaged. It's, it's harder, though, for sure.
1: It is harder. Yeah. One time we had a little girl who had been so emotionally traumatized by her past nursery experience that when we came in as nursery leaders, she would not come. In fact, her mother and father said when they would drive by the church during the week, she would see the church building and start to cry. So we had to take special measures. When we were called, we changed the room so we didn't go into the same room she was used to. We chose a different room. We had to go to her house and um, visit with her. I hand make toys. And so I handmade her this beautiful doll so that she could bring it to church with her which turned out to be kind of a bad thing because right during the sacrament, she's throwing this doll around the the, um, chapel to see her fly. And I was sorry about that, (laughs) but it was um, necessary. So after a few times of that and us going to her home, she actually liked nursery and then she couldn't wait to start coming but you never know what kind of things in a child's mind are traumatic. They, this girl hadn't been abused by anyone. Um, it was just her past experience in that old nursery was, it was upsetting to her. I don't know if there were too many kids, if the leader didn't engage her, if she fell down once and had this traumatic memory, but we had to basically start over with her. And sometimes with special needs, all you have to do is start over. So you go to the beginning, which is the family and you visit the family and you make friends with the parents and you engage the child in their own environment. And so that's helped us a lot with kids that have special situations.
0: Yeah. Uh, You've already mentioned a little bit, just sort of that dynamic of, of, in, you know, working with other adults or when they're in the room or whatnot. And it sounds like for the most part, you've been able to handle all the responsibilities of your nursery class that you went, you didn't need additional, uh, adults call called to, to help you in nursery, right?
1: No. Yeah. We've been able to do it ourselves.
0: Nice. And anything else you'd say as far as, uh, cause I know some primaries they'll have several nursery, you know, leaders or teachers or whatever it is. Anything else as far as that adult dynamic that, that still needs to be said
2: i think just better in my opinion is better to split your nursery than to just put everybody in one big room with you know lots of adults and lots of kids i think uh,
0: and a uh, ton of fruit snacks you know
2: yeah so. <laughs> the experience for the children i think would be a lot better if you make the choice to split the nursery you know to the extent that you can yeah and i, I, I think also
1: bringing in um novel items or ideas can really help that child who is reticent to come. So like for snack time, we will often bring in the apple peeler corer. Um, Some people haven't seen these, but you put the apple on it, you twist the handle Uh and it it rotates the fruit and peels and cores it. The children can't wait for that to come. And the first (laughs) time they see it, they're kind of like struck by it. And it's a simple device, but we have to remember for a child who's new on the planet, they've never seen some of the things we bring in. Sometimes I'll bring in a bird nest and put it on the center of the table. And I won't even say anything about it. I'll just put it there and I'll wait till they ask me, what is that? And maybe that day we're talking about families. So I'll talk about how the birds have families and when we bring in novel things, objects, ideas, that can really settle a child. You would think novelty would make them more excitable or upset, but actually when their brain is super engaged in studying a thing, they kind of forget that they're in a new place. They forget that their parents aren't there. They forget that, you know, they're separated from their families because they're so engaged in whatever we've brought in, that there's really no place in the brain for fear. So that's what we try to do a lot is bring in things that the children will, maybe they've never seen that thing before. What is that? And it's really cool to watch them shut down those fearful or anxious feelings and really come into what we're doing together. It's pretty magical.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I want to go back to nursery. This is this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's so important. We
1: all want to start over.
0: <laughs> well, and, and even just like I, I just it makes me reflect on callings I haven't enjoyed or that haven't yeah, that I haven't enjoyed. And I thought, well, maybe I was just doing it wrong. You know, maybe there was a better way or and so I think anybody who's just not enjoying their calling can step back and maybe reassess and say, maybe I could do this differently. And in a way that I'd really enjoy it and, you know, that inspiration flows.
1: Right. And I think too, with nursery, less is more. I know Mm -hmm. that's a a common saying, but when adults pull out toys for nursery kids, they open the closet and the kids just pull out toys. Well, what a child will do, they'll dump everything on the floor. Yep. (laughs) And actually, if you read the nursery manual, it says every child should be given one and a half toys. Not that you would have a toy, but that's the number (laughs) that the church suggests. And they said, if a child is done with that one and a half amount of toys, they get to go and trade it in. And the adult controls the toy closet. Mm. We do not let the children just open it and have a free for all. They have to come and ask us, you know, if they can speak if not they can show us that yep. they want something else and so we put that one back we pull out a new one and they can continue playing but we don't do that um again chaos is not happy for children you think it would be because at home they dump everything out but actually less voices in the room less children less toys less talking we have found that if we talk less and just listen to them more, hmm. we get a lot better response. We really have to trim things back when we're in nursery.
0: Yeah. And I love that emphasis on, you know, as far as managing the the toy closet and whatnot, because it sounds like with the time constraints that you feel, you don't have time for cleanup time, right? Like you just need to be moving on to the next thing. You
1: know? It's only an hour. It's a sacred hour, but it's only an hour. You really don't have A lot of time to do everything you'd like to do in an hour. Well,
0: this is fantastic. Any other point, principle, random tip that we need to squeeze in here before we wrap up or do we do a good job?
1: Well, Jim did mention one thing today that I'd forgotten about is when we first started nursery, we didn't have this item and then quickly on we bought it. We went on to Amazon. This isn't a push for any particular product or company. (laughs) And we found this preschool pocket hanging wall thing. And we hang it up on the chalkboard in every nursery we're in. Each child has their own pocket. We take a photo of them. We put the photo in the pocket so they know that's their safe pocket. Because some kids will bring in, you know, a blankie, toys, toys. Sometimes during nursery, they want to take their shoes off. And so everything that's theirs goes in that pocket. And when they're done with their art project, we make a big point of showing them it's going in your pocket. In fact, when they first arrive, we will point to each picture and say their name. Is Jonah here? Yep, there he is. Is Sarah here? Yep, there she is. And they love to see you point to their face up on the wall with their pocket, with their stuff. And sometimes they'll even take their stuff, give it to you and ask you to put it in their pocket. And then when the parents come, the parents empty out that pocket and go home. Such a small, practical thing, but it has made a huge difference in how comfortable the children feel when they're in nursery with us.
0: Wow, that's so good. Jim and Marla, you need a, a nine hour masterclass for nursery. So, <laughs> yeah. this is hour one. We've no. just
1: done it so long that I think yeah. that after a while you figure out quickly what works, what doesn't yeah. work.
0: Well, you've definitely blessed so many lives just from, from the discussion today. So, um,
2: come visit us in Salem sometime. I'm sure we'll be
1: nursery. We'll nurse be in the nursery. <laughs> you know where to go.
0: Nice. I bet uh, being released from the nursery, you sort of feel this. Uh, The sadness of it all.
1: Very much so. We go through a few weeks of just talking about each child. When we go home, we talk about them and laugh with stuff they did. And we have very much kind of a couple weeks of sadness and kind of a mini grief when we're released from nursery. It's not, um, we don't get to have the same interactions with them and their family after that. So when we're called to nursery, we are on fire. It's just really great. And just a plug here for couples, it's really good for our relationship oh, to cool. serve in nursery together because it's something we're working on during the week together. We'll, we'll think of fun things we can do for them or with them. Um, and when we're in the class, we call each other brother and sister West. And so they quickly learn the familiar social constructs of language in the ward. You know, that's brother so-and-so, that's sister so-and-so. And And it's pretty cool. We love nursery.
0: Love it. Awesome. Well, this has been uh, so encouraging and uh, so many great tips. And I know there's so many people grateful for. Uh, you sharing your perspective here. So the last question I have, and I'll let each of you answer this, maybe we'll start with you, Jim, and you can have the final word with Marla, but uh, as you reflect (laughs) on your time as nursery leaders, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ?
2: Um, I think being in nursery, I think, has really taught me um, the really the sacred experience with children and uh, and better appreciate the love that the savior has for his children uh, as i you know get a chance to work with little kids and uh, see them as they're in those formative years being introduced to the gospel and trying to make it um, something that they look forward to and it certainly has really helped me uh, as I've done that calling. It's 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 certainly one I've loved. And I've done a lot of very fun callings that I just look forward to. Uh, nursery is probably at the top of my list, actually.
0: Marla, what about you?
1: Um, for me, I think it's been good to let go of my ego. Because when you're in nursery, it's never really about you. It's always about them. And I think, too, um, when people ask me, You know, wouldn't you rather be serving somewhere else? Or I've had people make comments like, you got called to nursery. What a waste of talent. And I think about that and I think, well, you know what? It's about letting go of your ego because Jesus wasn't about how cool he was. We know how cool he was. We know how cool he is, but he wasn't about that. Every time you see an interaction with Jesus in the scriptures, he is never saying it about himself. It's about that person he's interacting with. And he doesn't do a group think. He doesn't say, oh, well, I'll only lead 5,000 people because that's more important than leading one. But he doesn't do that. He always gets the individual and meets them where they're at. And I think nursery is so important because we have to let go of our egos. Those children are never going to remember us. How many people remember being three or younger? Not many humans can do that. So we watch these children grow up. And even in our very ward, they don't remember who we were and how much effort and love we put into them and their class time. But it doesn't matter because it's not about us or our ego. It's about we built that peaceful feeling in them so that they will wake up and say, I can't wait to go to church. Church is a safe place. I'm loved, I feel happy there. Something feels good about church. That's what we want. And if they forget about us in two years, that's okay, because we did our job. I think that's how Jesus operates. I think the Holy Ghost especially operates that way, because in the Latter-day Saint Church, we talk about the Holy Ghost, but we really don't know who that individual is. And that individual has to have absolutely no ego to be such an important member of the Godhead and to rarely be mentioned or thought of. And so for us, I think nursery's really taught us to Kind of let go of ourselves and not expect to get something out of church, but to put it in.
0: And that concludes this How I Lead See if we can line them up. So again, go to LeadingSaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. Remember, check the show notes to listen to the powerful presentation by the General Young Men, Young Women Advisory Council members, or go to LeadingSaints.org slash 14.